This week on the Weekly Wrap, it's a glorious weekend for Perth's A-League sides. Goals galore in the ninth series, and Ben Garuccio throws his hat into the ring for goal of the season. This is the Weekly Wrap, presented by the Far Post Perth Podcast. Yeah, welcome to the Weekly Wrap. It's all presented by the Far Post Perth Podcast. Great to have you on board. Another stinking week in Perth. Plenty of football to talk about. What a weekend it was for the Perth Glory senior sides. Up and away, the men. In Tassie, difficult conditions, different conditions. We'll talk about that very, very shortly. Of course, that massive win for the Perth Glory women getting over the top. A big away win over Melbourne victory. The much fancied Melbourne victory. Get through it as well as a little bit of a night series. Why don't you explain Treadgold? This is the weekly wrap, as mentioned, or presented by the Far Post Perth podcast in association with the A-League app. You can check that out, A-League Live, whether it's at the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Check it out. It is a great app. Great to have all of the, I guess, the info, all the stats, all the fixtures at your fingertips. Big thank you to Sportsmate for that. Uh, joining me this evening or this afternoon, being recorded on a Monday, Mr. Tommy Dolman. G'day, mate. Happy Monday, Blano. Two two nils. What a w- living the dream. What a big weekend it was. Was it was a great uh, weekend for the men and the women. Positive results. We also inched a little bit closer to finding out who's going to be playing in the various night series finals um, across the MPLWA. So I'm sure we'll get stuck into that as the show goes on. Let's start with the men's side because. Uh Jeez, we spent a lot of time uh, off the fields, uh, patchy on the field, and then the weekend, uh, it seemed to just come together, I guess, for, for Perth over Brisbane. It did, and it's amazing, isn't it? We were a little bit down in the dumps last week, bottom of the league, um, three games in Tasmania coming up, no real certainty as such about the home games. Well, we, we had a, we had a little bit of an inkling, but it certainly wasn't set in stone until uh, later in the week, and even now it's still... Semi unclear, although saying that that win moves the glory up to ninth, albeit still a tie for bottom in a sense, with mm. with four other teams also sitting on, I believe it's eleven points. But um, look, at least on the goal difference uh, metric, anyway, the glory are ahead of the Mariners, the Jets, and the Roar at the moment. And um, yeah, as I've said, I, I hate to just repeat myself on the show, Blaine, but it's all about keeping in touch and the tables looking a little bit better in that perspective, even though the gap has widened to the top six over the weekend. Absolutely. Let's just have a bit of a table, uh, a bit of a look at that table and uh, and check it out. You did mention we are sitting rock solid, bottom 12th. Now we have moved up to ninth. It's an amazing ladder, isn't it? You've got four teams sitting on 11 points. You've got one on 12. And then you've got, what's that, five teams on 18 points. You have a look at it. You go on a bit of a run and you're sitting about second or third, Tommy. And there's a big game this weekend, Blaine, which we'll come on to in a moment. MacArthur's obviously the game that uh, the Glory are playing in Tasmania on Wednesday. They're currently seven points ahead uh, in that fifth position. That's a position that the Glory will be hunting down. So a bit of a cliched six-pointer, I suppose, if you want to put it that way, against the MacArthur team who, uh, of course, they did. They broke a five-game winless run on the weekend, so they've played themselves into a bit of form. But, look, the Glory will be confident as well. Clean sheet, a good win. And uh, hopefully a little bit of momentum to follow. And it looked like everyone was up and about. So there was a little bit more freshness, a bit of fitness in in that side. It was cooler conditions. Uh, the change of scenery probably did them the world of good to get outside of New South Wales. Not living in the same four walls, which could probably send you a little bit batty. Getting out to 
I guess, a bit of a fresh surroundings and they, they looked okay and they, they seemed okay with it. And I thought they came out with a really good attitude. Mm. I, th- I thought the attitude was good from the start on the weekend from the players, which we always have to keep commending um, given given the situation that they have sort of found themselves in over the course of the season. But I liked the the attitude early, early on more than anything. And you get that early goal. It, it was a, a clumsy tackle, I suppose, fair to say, from, from Henry Hall. Mm. Um, in the penalty area, Bruno Fornaroli obviously steps up, takes a penalty, scores it emphatically. And it's at that point where it just gives you something to defend. It gives you a foothold in the game. You can possibly just maybe sit in a little bit. You don't have to take as many risks with the fullback. Your players like your O'Neills and your Oxbras, they can sort of um, play their midfield roles with a little bit of method and not have to worry about necessarily being up to support the attack all the time or having to try and pull players here, there and everywhere. You can maintain that little bit of uh, structure better. And and as a result, even though Brisbane did find their way back into the game, I, I thought Glory were able to keep a relative amount of control on things, even though Brisbane probably had more chances and probably could have jagged an equaliser, if we're being honest. Yeah, they definitely did have more chances. It was 17 shots to seven. However, we know that doesn't tell the tale of the tape all the time because they just really couldn't do anything with it in their in their final third. Uh, Miller Uznich was a big out for Brisbane, it, it's got to be said. Uh, Ivanovic came on, was busy late. Henry Hall was probably their best player. I thought throughout the, particularly that first half, even though he gave away that pen, and I thought Akbari was lively for them yep. as well. I thought he was um, he was a player who was um, also sort of looking to make things happen. Uh, Nick Olsen had a bucket load of chances. Mm. It felt like every loose ball in the penalty area dropped to him, mm. and and they were they were sort of lashed over the bar or not quite caught. So look, they did have opportunities, but that early goal just gives the team confidence. It gives mm. them belief. It allows you to be able to keep the ball a little bit. I think the Glory had something like two-thirds of the possession up until about the maybe 25-minute mark of the game. And and that makes such a big difference when you're able to just sort of keep control of the ball in the early stages of the game. And then obviously you sit back a little bit as things get um, a little more tense. Brisbane are obviously going to come out with a little bit more intent, trying to attack the game a little bit more, trying to get that equaliser. And the Glory were able to find that second goal, which was magnificently taken from Bruno. They were, but I wasn't sure if they were going to. It was nervy there for a bit because we know how easily Perth can concede goals, especially silly goals late. We're very much known for that. So we did have our chances, Tommy, and I thought, we're not taking them at the moment. We're just not taking them. When we did get those odd chances when Brisbane were, in fact, on top, we could have killed off the game. Luckily, we got an, a, another kind of swaying momentum and we uh, Bruno managed to get on that and on that ball. Question without nose for you, mm. Blaine. How many goals have the Glory conceded this season? Don't, don't look at your screen. I, I know you've got a screen a in front of no, you. No, I wouldn't know, mate. Seven goals. Is that, that right? completely caught me by surprise today when I looked at the table. And... I was I was thinking about this earlier, a, a little earlier on, and we were sort of we've been praising we praised Calver last week mm. for his performance. I mean, I thought Daryl Latchman was brilliant again yesterday, and and for me, if there's a player of the year at the competition at the Glory at the moment, he'd be right at the top of that list for me. I think mm. he'd be he'd be if not leading the race, he'd be very close to it. Um, and it's amazing, isn't it, when we talk about the sort of way in which the team has had to deal with that little bit of imbalance. We've seen Burke Gilroy play at fullback. We've played, we've, we saw Rawlins come on on the left-hand side at the weekend. You and I had had some uh, debates and conversations about whether we wanted to see Clisby or Otter in the fullback position earlier in the campaign as well. So 
Well, and, and, and obviously, and, and not least that, we've had a um, an MPL goalkeeper in Cameron Cook playing mm. between the sticks for most of the campaign with Red. I know Reddy came back at the weekend, but yep. Reddy and Jones have missed large portions of the season. So when you marry that all up together, you sort of look at those linchpins, the likes of Latchman who have been there from the start. Um, it's a massive kudos to what they've put in throughout the campaign. And obviously a lot of the credit has to go to the glory coaching staff for being able to organize that defense and, and put in that structure where glory are in positions where, okay, I think they've only scored nine goals in those, in those games. Mm -hmm. So that sort of marries up um, with the very low amount of goals they've conceded. But look, they're putting themselves in a position where they're, they're staying in games and they're hanging around, and that's what they're doing in the positions of the table as well. Uh, what's interesting was Nick Fitzgerald, obviously, is coming to this side now. I thought we saw Oto a little bit further up the pitch, particularly in that second half. Once uh, Nick Fitzgerald went off, I can't think who came back into that left-hand side. Rollins came on for Calva. So, so there you go. So there was a bit of a switch there, um, and we'll talk about Calva in a second because, uh, yeah, I thought uh, Ota was managing to get up the pitch, and that was one of my gripes earlier on in the season because I think he's better off getting up the pitch than someone like a Cl Clisby. So it was interesting that we saw that. And we saw the flashes last season, didn't we? Some lovely crosses with Absolutely. that left foot into the area. So that's definitely a strength of his. Maybe one that's been underutilised this season. But obviously, as we've touched upon before, there has had to be a lot of chopping and changing mm. for various reasons, whether it be injuries, uh, COVID, of course, um, and various other things. So look, for, for Glory to have... I know it's hard to judge because the games are very... Um, uh, they're a bit of a mismatch in terms of Glory only having played nine and teams above them having played 11 and 12. But for them to have the best defence in the league after uh, 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 at this point of the season is quite remarkable. What's going to be interesting is how Aaron Calver pulls up, um, possible pinched nerve or something like that in his back. He, he felt a bit of a pop, a bit of a tweak. So how he pulls up from that is going to be interesting. Um, he did try to carry on, but you know when you do something to your back like that, you pretty much, you know, it... it Pretty much lays you out, so you, um, yeah, no, it wasn't good for Aaron. Hopefully, he's been okay. I thought he's been pretty good this season, so yeah. he's going to be missed. I thought there was a lot of positives. Um, I thought Andy Keogh made a good contribution when he came on as well. Just that bit of experience, just that little bit of composure. Um, just taking a bit of the pace out of the game, winning the odd foul mm -hmm. here and there, and... Um, that that was something I think which helped the glory to sort of um, and Sturridge did that too when he came on initially, to, just correct, took that yeah. sting out and we and we did get that little bit of a glimpse, didn't we, where we sort of <laughs> saw Fornaroli, Sturridge, and and Keo yep. all on a pitch at once, even if for a little brief sort of period in the game, and he sort of just wets the appetite a little bit for when these home games come around. Just on Sturridge quickly, when mm. Bruno did turn in the area, he received that pass from Collie and Board, and I saw Sturridge just with his arms wide apart saying, just, come on, just lay me in, just lay me in, and I've got an easy tap in just to get off the mark and just to get that feeling going and just to sort of quieten that noise. But no, fair play to Bruno. He's, uh, he's what he's there he, for. He's deadly in the area. Yep. Lovely turn, lovely swivel, and the goalkeeper had no chance. Uh, is, the, is the jury still out for you about Sturridge? I know that he's still getting going, but there's there's a fair bit to be said about his body language, and it was particularly that he. I think there was a two on one that they had him and Bruno going forward, and he had a shot from about thirty yards that went flying into the into orbit, and I went, that's not the that's a that's a frustrated player for me. That's a that's a player that's not really sure about what he wants to do in that situation. I think that's him. I think it's impossible to say to be honest. I think, um, I think Sturridge. Given injury, given COVID, given 
he's probably had to well he's probably spent a lot more time mm. on the road at this tide of the season than, than what he'd had to and he's evidently probably not been on the pitch as much as he'd hoped either there's bound to be a little bit of frustration there and it's all about how you channel that and obviously given the very various COVID lockdowns and situations that's there's also a chemistry thing that has to occur as well like Fornaroli, Keo, Sturridge, all really good players, mm. all good strikers in the A-League um, men's competition. But the only way that you build that chemistry is by playing games and playing games together. Yeah. And we've not seen enough of that for me. So, look, it's far too early, in my opinion, to be completely um, have, having a sort of is the jury out conversation over this. I think the jury's out conversations are probably more valid once... In an ideal world, Sturridge can maybe get four or five games in a row where he comes on sure. for half an hour at the end of the game. He can build those relations with that with that playing group around him. And then obviously we get into some home games, fingers crossed the elephant in the room, and maybe we can see that uptake going from 30 minutes to 60 minutes and we go from there. Uh, wasn't Brandon O'Neill's strongest game? I think he'll admit that. Uh, but I thought um, it was patched in in other areas and it was plugged up well. Uh, Nyongabiri, I thought that was his best game that he's played for us. Two good games in a row. Yeah, he's he won that penalty. I think he's much better when he gets in those one-on-one positions and he really try, starts to take... Because that's his, that's his um, I guess, biggest asset is his pace yep. and his, his quick feet. Use it. Don't don't hold the ball up. Just have a, have a have a go. Try and get around. Try and whip that quick, that quick ball in. Yep. And uh, and I thought Oxborough was a lot better at the weekend as well. Yep. He, he was he was maybe um, not at his best against uh, against the Mariners the week before, but but he bounced back pretty well too. Good to see Daniel Steins getting a start. I, I've been one in particular that's been beating the drum on that. So nice to nice to see him getting the team. I know that we had a chat about this briefly, Blaine, but I think the midfield for me going forward that I'd love to see would be the O'Neill, Collie and Steins lineup. Although I do understand that obviously they're probably trying to manage Collie a little bit, mm. given that he is a younger player and, and that he was probably rotated out for Steins. But um, that would be the midfield I'd like to see. I think the more minutes we see of that, the more dynamic I think we're going to see Glory's midfield be, which is obviously good for the attackers going forward. Um, but obviously, there's still work to be done in that sense, and and it'd be remiss of me to completely, given the compliments I've paid on the defensive structure mm. of the team, to throw out the defensive midfield of the structure. So, the defensive structure of the midfield would be maybe a little bit remiss of me to suggest that. Um, Nick Fitzgerald, I thought he's been good. He's brought a lot of energy. He's been had a pretty big layoff with with football. Uh, he's come back from India. Um, I think once he gets up to speed with the rest of the side, I think he could be decent going into the back end of the season. Yeah, we spoke about him last week mm. as well. We thought he'd be an asset who would be uh, versatile, play a number of positions, perform a number of roles out wide, in behind the striker, maybe just drop into the centre of the midfield if he needs to, to cover a Steins or a Collie who go further forward. And, and he's got that experience as well. And um, especially for the reasons we've spoken about before, his his presence in being able to cover multiple positions will be valuable, particularly as the season wears on, and particularly with the uh, the COVID elephants that are still in the uh, in the world at the moment. Yeah. So the way it's looking is uh, a game against Macarthur on Wednesday, and then the following week it is that double header against uh, Western United. You've got the women playing on the same day as well. So it should be a bit of a festival of football down there in Tassie as well. What did you make of it? Obviously, you're playing at the um, university ground, the, the AFL kind of footy oval. What did you make of it? Uh, I mean, it, 
It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it was obviously the, the crowd was. I didn't see the full crowd number, but on the on the pictures, it looked a, a little bit disappointing. Mm. But then again, it was something that we only found out about basically when we went on air last week. So yep. uh, it's very hard to turn things around in a week and really drum up that momentum. Uh, it's a little bit easier if perhaps you schedule a game for Tasmania three months in advance and mm. that allows people to do the promotions to get their ducks in order to, to make plans or to cancel plans and various other things. Uh, look, it's it's it seems as if it's more a something that they just had to do to try and, and to try and sort of bed down in an area which may make it a little bit easier for them to fingers crossed get back to WA at the end of all of this. Um, but let's just wait and see. Mm. I, I think I think I think the true it's all about results, isn't it? The win against Brisbane obviously helps. It sort of yeah. Maybe the glory will take some confidence into that game again in Tasmania against Macarthur on Wednesday. That's what we're hoping anyway. And if they can do the same thing against Western United, then I mean perhaps it will end up being a worthwhile trip. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Starting to get they'll get us started getting a little bit more familiar with the surroundings, with what's going on, with you know even just how far away the hotel is from the ground, and just little things like that that can just make it a little bit more comfortable. Also, as far as the promotion goes, it, I guess it's better to have three games than the one off because what it means is this week they can start jumping on Tasmanian Breakfast Radio and and things like that if the club's doing its due diligence in that side and. You know, there'll be talk about, you know, on the TV um, coverage that there's another game on. Just little things like that. So rather than have the one-off that everyone's missed, having it over three games over a week, I think is a, a worthwhile attitude. And, of course, all the kids were out in their Liverpool shirts. So yeah. it's certainly getting around the local communities. Yeah, and again, I didn't I didn't see the full crowd number. But but like you say, hopefully there's an opportunity where, where later in the week, particularly uh, against... Uh, your MacArthur's and, and your Western United's with obviously Western United if, if Diamante plays in that game you've got the profile of player there mm. MacArthur have some some good players in that squad as well so so maybe you'll see the crowds increase as the awareness uh, improves later in the week yeah absolutely hey let's go through a few of the other results from across the weekend Melbourne City they got a decent win over Newcastle uh, Newcastle's fallen away a little bit Tommy 3-0 to City on the on the Friday night I only saw the beginning of this game as I, I went out, but the game did seem to turn on that Taylor Egan red card. Mm. Um, the, the Jets seemed to start the game pretty well, and then obviously when you're against a team with the weapons that City have, the likes of McLaren and Leckie who got on the score sheet, it's uh, yeah, it, it's obviously a difficult task. But uh, but yeah, as far as City goes, it's a, it's a good result for them and one which, which keeps them sort of really pushing that top of the table where Western United still... Occupy. Yep. Um, good to see McLaren and Matthew Leckie, I guess, from an Australian point of view, in terms of the Socceroos and getting up to scratch. They've been in decent nick for their clubs at the moment, so it's looking not too bad as they start to... The Socceroos look to that game in March against Japan. Mm. We need just about everyone firing for that one, so yep. um, not, a bad, uh, not a bad thing for that. Uh, let's have a look at the other ones as I just mess up uh, that click on my computer screen. We've also got a Wellington Phoenix, another good result for Wellington. 1-1 with Sydney FC. They stay unbeaten um, as far as uh, and I've done it again there that um, seven point gap as well that they've got now as a result of that point that that just gives them some nice breathing room I know there's teams below them with games in hand the glory obviously being the the, the main one of those but mm. I think the Mariners and the Jets have got a couple of games in hand on them as well so um, look I think you'd always rather have points on the board wouldn't you whether you're fighting for a title whether you're fighting for a finals position 
Wellington have certainly done that, and that that um, that unbeaten runs come at a good time for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, Wellington, the informed team, along with Western United, and probably followed by Sydney FC. So not a bad. Uh, not a bad result there for the uh, the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, what else have we got? MacArthur beat Adelaide 4-1. Carl Viet absolutely seething after that one. There was goals to uh, Apostolos Giano, first one for the club. Craig Noon hit the back of the net again. Al-Hassan Torre again and Michael Ruse. So um, did it pretty good in the end. MacArthur, as you said, playing themselves into form right in time to play Perth. Yeah, 30 shots on goal for, for, for MacArthur. So, so the... Uh the barn door certainly blew down, didn't it, I suppose, for them. They still had to come from behind to, to win the game, though, after Craig Goodwin's opener. So it wasn't all plain sailing, but I think as we've spoken about with MacArthur before, they're, they're just a really difficult team to get a gauge on. We've spoken about the talent. You, you rolled off some of those names that had got on the score mm. sheet, and there's the likes of Devere and and Danny De Silva as well. Um, Mariapa's gone there, and he's looked pretty decent from from the bits and pieces that I've seen as mm. well so yeah they're a <laughs> it's a bit of a baffling one for me they they obviously started the season with those uh, four wins in their first five games and then they had a five game uh, winless run and then they've picked up the uh, the baton again it seems ahead of the game against glory so yeah I don't really know what to make of MacArthur but I think given the talent they've got in their team, if they can hang around and finish in the top six, they're going to cause teams problems in the postseason. Yeah, maybe they're a little bit like Victory because uh, we saw when Tony Popovich was at Perth and now at Victory, um, teams start to work you out after a while. So maybe it's just a matter of they got worked out. There was obviously a COVID situation, but most clubs have gone through that. I don't think it's a real pop-out excuse for, for MacArthur. Maybe just clubs has just started to work them out a bit better. Yeah, quite quite possibly. And that's... That's that's part of the challenges of being a coach, isn't it? Uh, that's that's uh, what Ante Milicic obviously is going to have to do. He's going to have to keep finding finding answers. Mm. Um, I think you, you hit on it before. That's a disappointing loss for, for Adelaide United as well, isn't it? We saw them sort of earlier in the season, and they pressed Melbourne City in a couple of games, and um, and put a lot of pressure on pressure on Melbourne Victory as well, and and had some pretty good results in the early part of the season, but. Um, They've been pretty inconsistent, and when seemingly when they've conceded goals, they've conceded them in big clumps. So, um, look, I mean, it's so compact, isn't it, in that middle portion of the table? I think there's... Is it, is it three teams that are in a tie for, for third on 18 points at the moment? Five so teams. Five teams. Yeah, so, so you've got Wellington, Melbourne, Victory, MacArthur, Sydney FC, and Adelaide United all sitting on 18 points. Yeah, so it's, it just goes to show that any result can, can change things very quickly, but a bad drop for Adelaide in terms of a win there would have maybe helped them get edge a little bit closer to the top two. Mm. Uh, let's have a look at some of the other matches. We did uh, talk about Melbourne Victory. They uh, got up a late winner for Melbourne Victory. It was in the 95th minute. Uh, Nishan Valupale got on the score sheet for the victory, get them over the top of Central Coast. That was at Amy Park. Um Lovely we, cross from Economides in that game. I didn't actually see it, yeah. Lovely little floated left-footed ball over, just a reminder of what we saw at the glory, alas. Mm. Thanks for reminding me, Tommy. Uh, Perth Glory 2, Brisbane Royal 1. We talked about that one, and I guess it was something that we need to talk about. Did he mean it? Didn't he mean it? Ben Garuccio. Absolutely meant it. Um, yeah, that was a wonderful goal. That was, for me, that was, obviously, that was more deliberate than the McGree goal. Uh, 
think there's a. I think you, you, you throw a leg and you hope for the best. I, I don't think he could say, "Oh, I was delivered." Um, you go for goal, but you, you, I think there's still a little bit of hope in there as well. Yeah, let's it, try this out. See where we end up. No, I think he meant to do it. I think if you watch his run, I think he adjusts his run slightly and checks it enough where he actually positioned his body to to, to sort of perform that scorpion kick, regardless of of whether it was intentional or not. It was a wonderful piece. It looks better the more you watch it. Actually, mm. the more the, when I first watched it, I went, oh, he's just thrown a boot at that. But then, you are right. He does actually swivel his body a little bit to try and get a, a decent purchase on that ball. And there's a lot more of time. And there's an element of timing with it mm. as well, which was another thing that I sort of appreciated about it. Um, I only saw pieces of this game um, after the glory game on Sunday, but it seemed like a little bit of what we were talking about earlier in the season from from Western Sydney in terms of a lot of possession with not necessarily a lot of substance um, all the time. I know they scored two goals. One of them came uh, quite late on from uh, Ugarkovic. Um, and, and in Western United's case, um, they've suddenly started finding the back of the net, haven't they, mm. after their uh, early season where they were seemingly winning uh, by a goal to nil every week like the Arsenal did back in the, uh, back in the 90s. Is it uh, worthy, that goal, just a quick one before we wrap up this particular segment, is it worth of the Puskas Award? I'm sure it will be in the It's got to be nominated. Yeah. It'll be in the nominations, yeah. But we still can't believe that um, Riley McGree didn't get that, so... Yeah, I, the, the voting panel for the uh, push to score is always an interesting one every year. Ah, look, you could you could put all the names in a hat and pull one out at random, Blaine, and I think uh, I think every everyone's going to either agree or disagree with you depending on your point of view. We've all got very subjective uh, differences of opinion as to what a beautiful goal is. Absolutely. Hey, just to have a bit of a look at the weekend's uh, fixtures to go ahead. We have got, even tomorrow uh, being a Tuesday, uh, we have got uh, Melbourne City hosting us the Central Coast Mariners. Wednesday, Newcastle will host the Western Sydney Wanderers as well as a good double header there, in fact. Uh, Western United, they'll host Sydney FC. That's a two twenty. In the afternoon, our time, Tommy. So, uh, yeah, take the afternoon off work if you want to catch that one. And obviously, Perth Glory on Wednesday is also a triple. Yeah, triple on Wednesday. Perth Glory to host MacArthur down there in Tassie across the weekend. Brisbane Raw to host Melbourne Victory, Newcastle, MacArthur, Adelaide, and Central Coast, Sydney FC, and Melbourne City. Western Sydney Wanderers and Wellington Phoenix. That should be a good one. That'll be a good tester about where Wellington is at as well as the Western Sydney Wanderers. And we mentioned a back in action on Sunday, Perth Glory against Western United. Uh, we might take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to chat a little bit of the Women's A-League. We'll check out what happened to Alexa Parkers' side across the weekend. It was a great win against Melbourne Victory. Where we actually sit in regards to that and how it looks going forward. We'll be back very very soon. You're on the Weekly Wrap, courtesy of the Far Post Perth Podcast. If you're as passionate about the A-League as we are, you won't want to miss a second of this season's action. And the easiest, quickest and best way to catch every game from every angle is with the A-League Live app. Simply search A-League Live or Sportsmate in the Apple or Google Play stores. Yeah, welcome back to the Weekly Wrap, presented by the Far Post Perth Podcast in association with Sportsmates and the A-League Live app. Check it out at the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Helps you keep up to date. Helps us keep up to date with what is happening in regards to the A-League. There's also an EPL aspect of it too. So check it out. It's available 
in-store, Apple or Google Play. My name's Blaine Shredgold, Tommy Dolman. We have just gone through the men's A-League. It's time to have a little bit of a look at the women's A-League. Tommy, we did start off the program by mentioning it, but I think we've got to reinforce just how big of a win that was. It was a bittersweet win, Blaine. Uh, it was an amazing 90 minutes, uh, a, a great performance from the girls. Uh, they put in a lot of um, effort into that 90 minutes. It was a little bit cagey early on. Um, get, didn't particularly start very well with Morgan Aquino getting injured in the warm-up. I uh, believe it's a finger injury. Uh, hopefully nothing too serious. But that saw uh, Courtney Newborn come into the team. Um, and then they sort of started it, 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 somewhat on the back foot. There wasn't really a, a major chance or a clear-cut chance of any note, in particular in that first half. So Carlos um, came within a whisker of, of, of opening the scoring for the glory. And, and then Catherine Zimmerman had a chance where she sort of fired over the bar for victory. But, um, yeah, I, th- I thought the glory grew into the game at the start of the second half. Uh, Melbourne victory probably did start the first five minutes of the game of, of the second period better. But once glory sort of, pressed a little bit higher, I think. I think they just took that extra step up and and they were able to really get on top for victory of like, for large parts of that second half. And on the basis of that, you can't really disagree that they didn't deserve the points thanks to, uh, I think it went down as an own goal in the end, the first one. Uh, it was um, a set piece from Deborah Delahart, Mia Lethians, who's been a threat from those set pieces all season long, sort of cut across the defender. She made contact with the ball and I think the ball inadvertently went in off Zimmerman and maybe a combination of another defender. And then um, it was Lena Kamas who came off the bench, the experienced striker. She came on. Um, she was in the right place at the right time after a run um, across the front post from Sierra Hinson sort of almost dummied the goalkeeper into almost misjudging mm. it. And then Kamas was there to just nod into the empty net. And, and that was the, the points for the glory. Uh, Sierra Hinson, she's been great uh, once she's picked up to speed on this competition. I think when she's even when she hasn't got the ball, watch her runs off the ball, really detract the mm. defenders. Yep. A lot of, she's got really, she's a really intelligent player, really good movement across that front three. And it's one thing having um, an excellent work rate as she does, but to, to sort of arc those runs intelligently and, and to put in those those yards into the channels, I think that's something that um, that Alex Apakis... They did miss her a little bit at the start of the season. She was a little late sort of joining the squad, obviously, but but since she's got rolling, she's been a really good asset for the, for the club. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting times for, for them going forward, particularly if they can keep her for next year. I've got to say, this is a strong Melbourne victory side. Alex Chidiak, Kara Cooney-Cross, Courtney Nevin, Casey Dumont. There's some real experience in there. Yeah, it wasn't a... Um, yeah, it certainly wasn't a... Um, and it wasn't a game that they were lucky in either the glory. Like I said, it was a very experienced victory team, a, a team who, who have competed uh, over the years. they Players who who have played for the for the Matildas in recent times, as have you as you've said before, Blaine. So, um, yeah, it was certainly no no um, no mean feat. I thought uh, at the back uh, they did a particularly good job. From what I saw of it, they were just really comfortable on the ball. Uh, did well to um, to try and I guess. Um Stole the momentum of someone like Markovsky, who can be a difficult player to play against. She's a, she's a tall girl. She can move very, very... She's very mobile for her size. Um, but Kim Carroll and uh, Claudia Majic uh, did very, very well. Majic was magnificent on her... Uh, I believe it was her... I can't remember if it was a actual debut or a starting debut. Sure. Um, but she was 
really good. She's um, she's part of that trio of young Victorian players that came over at the start of the season with Sakalis and with Alani Yanshevsky. And, um, yeah, she looked really good, really composed for her age. I think she's only 18. And, and obviously, when, you, when you're learning next to somebody like Kim Carroll, it's it must be an amazing experience for her. And, and, yeah, she certainly didn't look out of place at all and, uh, and was probably the player of the game for me at the back. Let's have another bit. Of, just to recap, we did go through this at the start of the program, but we'll just have a bit of a recap on where this actually does leave Perth Glory as far as the table. Uh, 21 points, 22 is what Melbourne Victory are on with a game in hand. They sit in fourth. It is the top four that go through to that uh, uh, playoffs or finals uh, stage. Adelaide United sit in third on 24 points. At Melbourne City on 27 and Sydney FC, who... Tommy, uh, Perth playing next, are on 29 points. So, uh, all to play for, but hey, it's it's, it's just about all in their, in their hands at the moment, uh, Perth Glory. Yeah, I mean, given that Adelaide and Victory, who currently occupy third and fourth at the moment, are facing each other this weekend, one of those teams, or hopefully both of those teams, are going to drop points. Mm-hmm. Um, which opens the door for glory, albeit against a Sydney FC team who tasted their first defeat at the weekend against Melbourne City. And we were sort of speaking about how they were a walk away to win the league title. And, and now all of a sudden, they, they're only two points clear of City having played a game more. Um, so um, they're going to be difficult to beat. Um, that's for sure. It's going to be a real challenge. Um, but if they can just manage to eke out a point and keep themselves alive, particularly with Adelaide and Melbourne Victory playing each other this weekend, then then you never know what can happen. Should be said as well that Victory also play Canberra United in midweek, um, who have only won one game for the season. So if Victory win their game in hand, um, that's going to uh, lift them up into third place and four points clear of the glory. So I think we could be in a position where it may be better uh, if the victory do beat Adelaide at the weekend and then given that Adelaide United plays Sydney in the final round with Sydney possibly playing for a league title, that may be the best outcome for Glory. Mm. Oh, well, you, you never know. Sydney might have just peaked too early and they're just you know starting to feel a little bit of it now. Yeah, I mean, it happens. So yeah. we'll never know. We'll see how we go. That game is 105 on uh, Sunday afternoon so that is part of that double header so for the men's yeah. yeah um so it's going to be a beauty uh, as far as that one goes looking at the other uh results from across the weekend adelaide united four wellington one uh we did talk about the two nil result for perth glory over melbourne victory two two between newcastle and western sydney it is season over for those two sides melbourne city as mentioned got over the top of sydney and uh, another game as part of this uh, it is that makeup game i guess canberra united hosting melbourne victory so we can uh i guess we could probably take a little bit out of that because it is a midweeker and it means it's another another one that victory's got to go through so mm. whereas perth will get the the week off so We'll keep a close eye on that. Hey, Tommy, let's have a bit of a look uh, before we start to wrap up at what is happening in regards to the night series. Um, myself and yourself and a fair few of the other uh, people that we know in the local scene have been getting out to a, a few matches, which has been good. Not a bad little crowd down there at Bayswater on Saturday night again. So, mm. um, yeah, no, well done to everyone for, for getting out. Let's have a bit of a look at some of the... Uh, results, if I can bring them up. Uh, group A was 6-2 to 
Sorrento over Armadale. Armadale were up 2-0, so it was an interesting match. And one of those again, uh, Inglewood United. Are they probably upset uh, Perth SC? Because Perth SC would have been a little bit more fancy. They were sitting above Inglewood going into this one. It was a 4-1 result for Inglewood over Perth SC. And Balcata absolutely gave Coburn City a hiding and I'm not too sure what the future may hold for Coburn, but on some of these results early on, it doesn't look like good signs for Coburn. But we know it's a marathon and not a sprint. 3-0 for Sterling Macedonia uh, against Wellup in Group B. It was a 1-0 result for Perth. Uh, sorry, for Bayswater City to get over Perth Glory. It means they're off the mark, but still too difficult for them to go on with it. Florian Athena 3-1. Uh, against ECU Joondalup. So as far as the ladder goes, Sterling Macedonia is through. Uh, it's going to come down to Perth Glory taking on uh, Florid Athena as well as if Bayswater can take a points off. Uh, no, hold on. If uh, ECU can go win their match as well. As far as Group A goes, uh, a little bit tighter, this one. Inglewood on eight points, Sorrento on seven, Balcata on seven, Perth SC on seven, Armadale and Coburn will miss out. Tommy. Lots to digest there, Blaine. I went through that. I I confused myself, I think. That was a very thorough synopsis. (laughs) Yeah. um, We'll start with Group A, I suppose. Um, As you said before, Sterling, four wins from four, looking really strong. Mm. Um, again, as you, as you sort of hinted at, we always take the night series with a little bit of a pinch of salt, but there's no doubt that in, in a group with, with Flory at the Glory, uh, ECU, Bayswater and Gwellup, that, that that's nothing to be sniffed at, that's for sure. So, as you said, they're through now. Um, and then, given that Flory are playing Glory next weekend on Friday night, it'll basically seem as though the winner of that game will go through, um, given ECU's goal difference is slightly weaker than the Glories and Floriots. So, um, yeah, a winner-takes-all match there. I think Sterling will finish as group winners in all likelihood, given their uh, plus-nine goal difference. So, um, yeah, Sterling and then one of Glory or Floriot in second place. And um, I suppose for some thoughts on on the other group. Um, well, in fact, uh, East, I know ECU probably goal difference is going to mean that they don't. Yeah, through. I I'm, I think it'd be it'd be a big turnaround if they were to um, mm. if they were to get through. But hey, stranger things have happened in football. You, oh, we've seen a, what have we seen a seven to six two result across the weekend. So absolutely a yeah. five nil and a four one in Group B. Yep. So um, yeah, things things can happen in the NPL, and that's why we we love the local football, Blaine. But I suppose from an, uh, I suppose in Group B, the big games on Friday night. That's Perth versus Sorrento. Um, now. The winner of that game, based on the fact that, uh, given the fact that Inglewood are playing Balcata, so the top four all meet in that group this weekend, mm. and Perth plays Sorrento first on the Friday with how the fixtures sort of worked out. So it seems as though that the winner of that game will likely go through to the next round. Um, if it's a draw, then it could leave the door open for B- B- Balcata and Inglewood to both progress. So um, there's a lot of hypotheticals. Uh, with the makeup of the table, as you said, there's only one point separating four teams. Far too many for us to make it sound uh, entertaining and uh, to make sure we don't lose lose the listeners. Mm. Too many permutations, but 
Um, yeah, Friday night certainly looks to be an exciting one with obviously Perth and Sorrento and then Florent and Glory both playing in um, in cutthroat games to get through to the semifinals. Yeah, it should be a beauty. And they're happening at Dra- Frank Drago, Percy Doyle and also... Dalmatinac Park. Dalmatinac Park again. Okay, so similar to, to this weekend. So, uh, yeah, make sure you get out and uh, check those games out because they've been super throughout this whole uh, first uh, first five or we're going to round five. So the first four rounds, they've been excellent. Uh, Tommy, much else going on? Women's Night Series isn't too far away. Women's Night Series uh, begins this weekend. Uh, so the groups are in Group A. We've got Mom FC and the Northern Redbacks and Balcada and Subiaca. I think it's Balcada and Northern Redbacks who, who start in the first game in that group. Uh, and then in, in Group B, uh, sorry, those games I should add are being played at the Ellenbrook Sports Hub on the uh, on the turf up there. Yep. So um, good to see another ground get um, a couple of games. They're going to be quite he- in- heavily involved in the uh, in the group stage of the night series across the first uh, few rounds anyway. And then in Group B, uh, we've got Perth and Curtin and NTC and Fremantle City. Um, and those to how I've read that out are the, are the way that the fixtures work out. So those games are being played at Dorian Gardens. Um, and I believe the final round of group games in Group B are being played at Ellenbrook uh, due to a clash with the NPL. Okay. started. Sure. Um, how's that turf looking up there, and how's it going to go in that heat? Because it, Ellenbrook's usually a few degrees hotter than everywhere else in Perth, to be honest, just because it is a little bit uh, further out east. But obviously that pitch can get a little bit warm as well on the synthetic. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I've, I've been up there, so that's a, a question I don't have an, an answer mm. to. But I think, uh, broadly speaking, I mean, we've, we, we obviously saw Coburn hosting the Night Series fin- the final last year. There was a good crowd in attendance down there. It's good to see Percy Doyle. It's good to see, uh, obviously, Damanak Park has, got, has had group games as well. Um, I think uh, Floriot had some games earlier in the season as well, and obviously we're seeing Ellenbrook and and the likes now getting an opportunity in the in the MPLW competition. So a good opportunity for those clubs to put some drinks on, some food as well, and to and to put some money and to get some money received over the bar at their clubs early into the season. Given which is great, obviously, given the the, the sort of pandemic times we've had to go through in recent years. Uh, I wonder if Ellenbrook, I mean, obviously they put their hands in the ring for this one. I wonder if they'd be a club that would further down the line would be one to kind of step up into that women's NPL kind of setup because they're kind of their own little hub out there. They've got plenty of the kind of uh, demographic that, that would get involved and there's no one really to compete for players out that way. Yeah, I mean, obviously it, it will remain as a eight-team uh, MPLW mm. competition this season, but there have been some murmurings that there is a, a particularly with the Women's World Cup mm. um, happening uh, next year in 2023 that there may be some some reform or a review uh, into the MPLW competition and, and the structures. There's certainly plenty of teams in the, in the state league who uh, in the women's state league, uh, such as Sorrento's, obviously ECU were were in there previously as well prior to their merger with with uh, the Redbacks to be Perth Red Star. Um, Bow divers are in that in that competition as well. So there's there's some there's plenty of well up have a team in there also. I'm sort of just rolling a few of the yep. the sort of sides off. So a lot of a lot of these clubs do have women's sides, and and I'm sure they'll be wanting to make a push to to get into in, into possibly an opportunity to being able to compete in the MPL because that's ultimately what you want to do. You want to give your your juniors the best uh, opportunity to compete at the best possible level that they can. Mm. I'd like to see when they are at it. I'd like to see it on a promotional basis mm. rather than just grabbing teams and just saying okay we think you're good enough to go in there and this and that I'd rather 
rather just be organic and kind of on merit. Yeah, I suppose we'll see. What and then the, build it that yeah. way. And I think that that I think most people would agree, and I think mm. that's uh, that's certainly a fair way to think about it. Um, I think that's just about it, Tommy. Um, just one yeah. more thing. Uh, State League night series is obviously yep. off and underway. Uh, we had a quarterfinal draw today sure. um, for the State League night series final. So on Friday night, we've got two games in Forestfield at Crazy Domains. Those are Quinns versus Curtin at 6.30 and then Forestfield and the Western Knights at 8.30. And then on Saturday, we're at Wanneroo, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m., for Kingsway versus Dianella, that one should be a beauty between two Ooh. teams, I think, are going to be certainly leading the charge in Division 1 for promotion this season. Um, that one's at 5pm, and then obviously uh, Mum FC and uh, Subiaco. So that's uh, Taki Nicolaitis and, and Goran Stagic, their two former uh, MPL coaches, uh, going head-to-head. So... Yes, yeah, some exciting ties in the State League quarterfinals, and obviously we'll be building towards the, the final, which... Um, I did the Kingsway and Mandra game at, at Macedonia Park last year in the final, and there was a, a great crowd there uh, at, at the venue for that one, and uh, and hopefully we'll see uh, some more crowds get out to those games as the competition wears on. Very, very good, mate. We might wrap it up there. Uh, big week ahead, and uh, we look forward to uh, taking in plenty of it, whether it's in the A-League or on a bit more of a local front. There's plenty to keep us occupied, and we'll have plenty to talk about this time next week. Thanks for jumping on again. And I'm sure we'll take... 2-0 wins for the rest of the week, whether it be glory men's or women. Oh, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? Get around them. They're certainly doing it tough, but they're doing it uh, yeah, very nicely at the moment. This has been the Weekly Wrap, all presented by the Far Post Perth a podcast. We'll catch you this time next week.